Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Chapel Southeast podcast. Thank you for joining us for our study through the book of 1 Corinthians. This letter was written by the Apostle Paul to the struggling church in Corinth. They were allowing the culture to influence them more than they were impacting the world. As a result, the church was crumbling. Paul's strong words of rebuke and encouragement teach us many things about how we as believers should live in a dark and depraved world. Grab your Bibles and let's jump in. If you have your Bible, would you open them to 1 Corinthians chapter 12? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when you get there, would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Just a little disclaimer I have an ear infection right now, and if I talk louder than I normally talk, it's because I can't hear anything. So um, just so you know, like, why is Pastor Ryan yelling at us today? It's like he can't hear. So, um, but anyways, the Lord's going to get us through this together. So um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 12, um, I'm only going to read the first uh, through verse 18, and then we'll, we'll still go through it all together, but just for the sake of time. It says this, For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many, If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body, is it not for this reason any less a part of the body? And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. You may be seated. Last week, we started looking at the topic and subject of the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts. And we looked at three different questions last week. Number one, who is the Holy Spirit? Remember, we talked about how the Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity. He's not an it or a thing, but he's a person. The Holy Spirit is also the power and presence of God in our lives. And we saw that how we talk about spiritual gifts is that the focus is not on me and my gifts, nor is it even on the gift in and of themselves, but the focus should totally and 100% be on the Spirit of God who is building up the church through his body, through these gifts. Remember, as we study verse chapters 12 through 14, the goal is not just to understand spiritual gifts. The goal is to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Second question we looked at last week was, what are spiritual gifts? We saw that the spiritual gifts are God-given abilities. It's not a substance that just falls from the sky. It's not stuff that's external to God himself. But when we talk about spiritual gifts, we're talking about the Spirit of God within us, empowering us. But empowering us to do what? That was the third question. What is the purpose of spiritual gifts? And we talked about how spiritual gifts are the God-given abilities to serve the body of Christ. 
Spiritual gifts, they're not superpowers that make me awesome, but they're divine powers that help us serve one another for the glory of God. And so today, we're going to walk through this text and look at the main idea of the passage, that we are one body consisting of many parts, and then we'll look at a couple more questions concerning spiritual gifts. And the two questions we're going to look at later is, what are the spiritual gifts in Scripture? Giving you kind of a heads up. What are they? There's 20 of them. What, and then where do we exercise our spiritual gifts? So let's dive right in. We have a lot to cover in a very short amount of time. Look at verse 12 once more. For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Verse 13. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Here the Apostle Paul is sharing a very general principle that diversity gives us deeper unity. It doesn't matter our background. We all have different backgrounds this morning. It doesn't matter if we grew up in affluent homes with a lot of money or we lived in utter poverty. It doesn't matter our race or our family heritage. We're all different and unique in all of those ways, but yet he's saying we share one spirit. And the emphasis here and throughout this passage is how we have many different gifts. We have a diversity of gifts, but we're just one body. And that diversity gives us a deeper and more effective unity. And then he goes on in verses 14 through 20 to essentially make the point that every gift matters. All gifts matter. Look at verse 14. For He says, for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less part of the body. And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? Paul is simply making the point that every gift, every part of the body, all of the parts matter. He's saying that there are different roles, there's different functions in the body of Christ, and every single, um, and every single part plays a vital role in the body to function in healthy ways. And it doesn't um, matter how small or insignificant it may seem to you. Okay, like I told you just a second ago, I have an ear infection. I came on Friday. Um, they had to order a special prescription because I'm a unique case because I've had a lot of ear problems, and so I won't be here till Monday. So I'm kind of like living through this. And so, um, but you you consider the ear. The Apostle Paul even brought up the, the the ear, and and yet where the infection was, the doctor showed me on Friday at Urgent Care. It's like okay, it looks so small. Like it just it looks like can you just like get it and like root it out or whatever? Like do just do something. It it seems small and insignificant, and yet let me let me tell you because I've had about 20 ear infections in my life, though it seems small, it affects the whole body. Like this morning, right now I'm talking to you, I kind of feel out of it. I kind of feel like, whoa, like did I not have enough coffee or what? That's kind of like, the, I feel like I'm in a cloud right now. 
I'm not sick. I just have an ear infection, you know, but, but it throws off. And it, and it just brings up the point that without a small part of the body working properly and in its function, it throws off the whole body. And so it is for the church. Each and every one of you has a key part to play. Listen, your gifts matter. Your gifts matter. Exactly. It just let me, let me think about it this way. I'm going to explain the gifts in just a little bit, but just think about if you were to elevate only one gift without some of the others. What if every one of you this morning had the gift of teaching, but nobody had the gift of serving? That would be kind of, kind of crazy because we would all be walking around with our Bibles open, talking to one another, but the lights wouldn't be on, right? The bathrooms would be like overfilling with garbage and like it just would be a mess. We'd be kind of bumping into one another. There'd be no organization and flow. So we need each other. You know, what if we all had an apostolic gifting where we're constantly starting new things, we're pioneering new ministry endeavors, but nobody had the gift of administration? Listen, there would be lots of ideas, lots of passion, lots of innovation, and it would be an absolute train wreck. So we need, the point is this, we need all of the different parts and gifts working together and this is a vision for diversity, but it's also of interdependence. I want you to note that. This is all about interdependence, where we have different gifts, but we're working together. Now, when it comes to spiritual gifts, these are meant to complement each other, not compete with each other. Okay? Let me say that one more time. Spiritual gifts, they're meant to complement each other, not compete with each other. Now, one of the main ways to neglect your spiritual gift is by doing this, and we all probably do it, is by comparing it to the gifts of others. And this, and this is one of the points that Paul is making here. He says, well, if the foot says to the hand or the, or the eye says to the ear, you know, it's so easy to think that the really good gifts are the ones that I don't have. And so we compare our gifts. We're like, oh, man, I'd really like to be gifted like him or like her, but in doing that, let me just tell you, in doing that, we minimize the gifts that God has bestowed upon you, your own gifts. Listen, I'm going to say it a bunch more times. <clears throat> your gifts matter. Your gift is vital to the healthy functioning of the church. And if you don't steward, if I don't steward my gift well and your gift well, it will be to the detriment of the whole body. Every gift matters. Look at verse 18. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body Notice this, just as he desired. If they were all one body, where would the body be? Or if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members but one body. You know, while everyone is arguing and they're complaining about wanting different gifts or thinking that they're not gifted or they're not gifted enough and they're not as important as others, Paul says, the great architect God himself designed his body in this way. 
God himself was intentional in the gifts that he gave to each and every one of us. And so there shouldn't be this comparison. There shouldn't be this second guessing like, oh, this person's more important in their gifts than I am. No, we all play this vital, important role. David Guzik in his commentary said, in the design, we see the wisdom of the designer. Everybody has something, but nobody has everything. I love that. Everybody has something, but nobody has everything. In other words, everyone is gifted. Everyone is important for the body to function. And again, just a reminder, it was God who designed it this way for interdependence. Paul here is driving home the point of the unity of the body in spite of its many members and parts. And he's showing, again, the importance of interdependence. You know, we talk a lot about it just in our staff meetings and as a staff that no one person is an island. And what we mean by that is like no one ministry, no matter how big and how many different many volunteers that they have, is an island. We're all part of the same body. We're headed in the same direction here to serve one another and work together. How can, how can the women's ministry complement the children's ministry? How can the men's ministry serve the worship ministry or whatever, fill in the blank? We're all one body serving together. It's not, hey, this is this is. Thursdays is for women and they're separate and then Tuesday nights is for men and, and over here is where we, you know, it's just, no, we're one body serving each other. That's what I love about like the men's conference. There were so many of you ladies serving at it. When we come to the Christmas event for the women, it's like the men will help set this room and, and help maybe prepare food, maybe not prepare food, I don't know, like maybe, like <laughs> maybe the right men, if that's your gifting, maybe sign up. But like, but we serve one another, right? Josh is like, he doesn't just lead us, but like he gets to help disciple and pour into those leading for women's ministry, for youth ministry, all of that. We're one body. And the beautiful thing about all of this is that not just one person has to be the end to everything. I don't have to do everything and be everything to all people. I don't have to meet personally every need. But here's the thing. I have to depend on the gifts and the callings of others for the health of the church. And let me tell you this, I've seen this not done in healthy ways. I've seen where the senior pastor does everything. His hands are in everything. The guy, he's gifted in worship, so he leads worship. He takes the hat off and he puts the teaching hat on, right? Like he, he serves teaching and he's doing the bulletins and he's doing the website. Like You're like, this isn't healthy. Like it's all contingent on you. Like, no, we have to depend. And I'm so grateful for our staff here and our ministry team here, here at Calvary, um, because it consists of men and women who are gifted by God in so many different ways. They bring so many blessings to the table, and yet we rely on one another for the glory of God and the, and the, and the edification of the church. Paul goes on in verses 21 through 24 to make a point that every gift matters, especially the ones that are perceived weak. Look at verse 21. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. He says, on the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable on these we bestow more abundant honor and our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. 
But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Paul is talking about the weaker parts. He's saying the less honorable ones, the ones that we don't want, right? The ones that we, people really don't value as much or care much about. And, and you might read, you know, this chapter. Uh, I skipped over the verses because we're going to look at them today. But you might read through chapter 12 and, and notice some of the spiritual gifts. You know, there's healing, and there's teaching, there's administration, and then there's helping, then there's helping, like, right? Like, nobody wants the gift of helping, let's be honest. Like, Lord, please, like, there's just one gift that I want. I just want to be a spiritual helper when I grow up. Like, no one says that, you know? In our worldly wisdom and thinking, it's kind of like the less honorable gift. It's like, man, I want to be the administrator. <laughs> I want to be the teacher. I don't want to be the helper. And yet Paul, though, he's making the point here that the very gifts that people overlook, the very gifts that people don't honor as much, um, not only, he says, are they necessary, the ESV says indispensable, but he says we bestow abundant honor on those gifts. So don't think that if your gift doesn't put you on a stage or give you a microphone that your gift doesn't matter because it matters. You know, last week, unbeknownst to me, our church celebrated and thanked our pastoral team for their ministry for Pastor Appreciation Month. And um, just, I was super blessed and super humbled and just grateful for the kind notes for those of you that wrote notes and all of that. However, I say this, the pastoral team, although very important, there's a greater res great responsibility that's placed upon pastors to shepherd and care for the, and feed the flock of God, um, but we're not everything. We're not the end all when it comes to ministry here at Calvary Southeast. You know, I think I was thinking about it this week. Um, so many people in our usher ministry or our security ministry or our beloved, I don't see him in this service, our beloved Paul, the doorman at the front door, first face of the church front lines and how they love and serve and care for you is super vital and very important as well. You know, you, you might say that opening a door at a church building is less honorable, right? It's less important, but let me tell you, it's a very powerful ministry. I know that some of you are here today, not because the teaching is so amazing, but because of the love that you felt by one another, it's a true story. What a powerful thing to show hospitality and welcoming people by opening the door, handing them a, well, we don't do bulletins right now, thanks COVID, but you know, whatever, like just a handshake or whatever, a smiling face goes a long way. And they're all, all of these gifts are just as important, just as valuable, just as needed, just as the worship team is up here on the stage. God empowering all of us in different ways to serve the body of Christ. So again, every gift matters. All the gifts matter. Especially, especially, Paul says, the ones that are perceived as weak. And then he goes on to make the point, <clears throat> because they all work together for the health of the body. Look at the second half of verse 25. But that the members may have the same care for one another. He says, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. 
And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. What he's saying is so, one, like one of the healthy, or one of the signs of a healthy church is that you mourn with those who mourn and you weep with those who weep. It's not I mourn when I mourn and, and you rejoice when you rejoice, but we do this together, caring and loving for one another together. Paul's point is this when one part of the body isn't functioning properly and is suffering, then the rest of the body is affected and suffers. And when one rejoices, we all rejoice together. And so to do this properly, to do this biblically, we, it needs us, it requires us to exercise our spiritual gifts. You know, you think about it this way. If there's a loss, we were just talking about a memorial service this morning during announcements. If there's a loss of a life, a memorial service is planned. It's not just that the one family suffers, or one person suffers, but we suffer together with them. You think about it this way, to mourn with those who mourn really requires spiritual gifts in a variety. You know, you need people to shepherd those who are hurting. You need administrative people who are going to make plans for the memorial service. You need people who are going to step up maybe financially if the, if the family doesn't have the means to put on a memorial service to help out in those situations. We need the gifts of help and service to, for folks to bring a meal to the family while they're going through the grieving process or a meal like we talked about for the memorial service. Like you're talking about all different gifts coming together to mourn with those who mourn. We're in this together. You think about it, rejoicing. What, maybe maybe in, in your home group, maybe if you're in a home group and, and one, you guys have been praying about something, maybe someone gets a new job or, or someone's going through cancer and they get like their scans came back radically like just clean and you just want to, as a group, rejoice, right? You're like, let's go out together as a group and like celebrate at dinner like tomorrow night. Well, what does it mean? Like, what does that take? It takes some gifts. You need a leader, right? You need someone to organize this, someone to plan for it, someone to call the restaurant, make a reservation, when you're sitting down at the restaurant, you might have someone with the gift of exhortation. It just takes that opportunity to just to exhort that person who maybe got the job or a gift of, or a word of encouragement for someone who got the great scan back, you know, from cancer and all of that. But we rejoice and the whole body comes together with those who rejoice. And we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit in order or in particular giftings to do just that. So, as we talk about every gift matters, I want to acknowledge quickly, very quickly, two lies that some people are tempted to believe, and maybe you have been tempted to believe. And the first lie is this, is that gifted leaders do all the work. Your understanding might be that the church is a place where the professionals or a gifts of a few do a majority of the work. Listen, let me remind you that the role of the leaders in the church, we found this in Ephesians, is to equip the saints, that's all of you, for the work of the ministry, for the works of service, that we do ministry together. It's not just my, I don't just get paid to serve here, Right? But we get to do this together. My job is to hopefully encourage you and to build you up as not a top-down leadership. It's more of a bottom-up encouraging you in the gifts to go out and do, to go out and serve. And we as leaders here at this church, we want to enable you to do that. 
Again, the church is not a place to spotlight the gifts of a few, but to empower the gifts of all. Amen? The second lie that someone might be tempted to believe is, again, that your gift doesn't matter. You might be like, what what do I really have to offer? And I want to say this to you this morning, that if you trust in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit within you. You have the eternal God, the king of the universe dwelling within you, empowering you to do far more than you could ever do in your own strength. And God has gifted you in particular ways. He has chosen as we just, as he desired, right? He chose gifts for you to play an important and essential role in the body of Christ with, guess what? Supernatural power. Whoa, So please don't believe the lie that my gifts aren't that valuable. No, no, no. We need you. Without you, without you playing that vital role, our body starts looking a little lopsided. (laughs) Like we need you. We need everyone. You're gifted by God and your gift matters. Look at verse 27. Now you are Christ's body and individual members of it. And God has appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? These are rhetorical questions. All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? He says, but earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I show you a more excellent way. So Paul is laying out once again that every member of the body of Christ who's filled with the Holy Spirit, gifted by the Spirit, they're needed to function in the church, for the church to function properly. In 1 Corinthians 14, we'll be there in a couple weeks, but in verse 1, Paul says, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And that leads us finally to our first question. What are the spiritual gifts in Scripture? And right in in this chapter alone, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, again, we we kind of skipped over a couple verses in verses 8 through 10 last week and, and, and the rest of the verses here. But in 1 Corinthians 12, there's 13 gifts listed. And I'm actually going to add seven others that we see throughout the New Testament in Romans chapter 12, okay? It's another spot where we see spiritual gifts. And Ephesians chapter 4. And this is an exhaustive list in Scripture. You might find a couple others because that's the Holy Spirit's not limited. limited. But this morning I want to cover, so 20 spiritual gifts. You ready? 20, no, no particular order or, or uh, kind of that I've laid out, we're, but we're going to fly through them. But before we do that, I want to remind you, great resource. Pastor Chuck Smith of Calvary Costa Mesa wrote a book called Living Water. Been reading it all week. If you haven't picked up a copy, I think we ordered like 10 copies. Um, I think that's all we could get in a rush. And so um, I think they're $10 at the info desk. So if you want to learn more, I was just talking to, to Rick. He's like, man, thanks for the encouragement last week. He's been reading it this week. Um, pick up a copy, but I just encourage you. It's a very simple yet thorough read on the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. 
But before I go get into this, let me say this. All of the gifts matter no matter what they are, okay? Whether they're tongues, whether they're prophecy, helps, or administration, all of the gifts are empowered by God to build up the body of Christ. The second thing I wanna mention is that we as a church believe in all of the gifts, okay? The Bible never tells us that they have ceased from being given. And so we firmly believe in all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I also want to say that every single believer has at least one spiritual gift. 1 Peter 4 says this, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Just wanted to say that. Okay, 20 spiritual gifts that are in scripture. Are you ready? All right, first one, prophecy. Prophecy doesn't mean fortune telling, okay? Nor does it always mean predicting the future. Prophecy, the gift of prophecy, is simply sharing something that God brings to mind or places on your heart. It is the speaking forth of the word of God through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And again, we're gonna look at this along with tongues in way more detail when we hit chapter 14. But this is such a practical gift of the Spirit that he gives to us to build up the church. In fact, I believe that many of you have this spiritual gift and you might not know it. A prophetic, again, a prophetic word or message can take the form of exhortation, correction, disclosure of secret sins, prediction of future events, Comfort, inspiration, or other revelations given, given to equip and to edify the body of Christ. Again, they do not constitute the authoritative word of God. Scripture is written. But the human interpretation of that revelation that the Holy Spirit is giving them that was received, it has to be tested by Scripture, okay? 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Do not despise prophetic utterances, but... Examine everything carefully, Paul says. Hold fast to what is good. Man, gifts of prophetic words are so needed. Mary and I were at a pastor's conference a couple years ago, really in a hard place, just in life, feeling really discouraged. And um, we're just kind of waiting on the Spirit. Um, And actually, it was after a session. We were just kind of sitting in our camp chairs. It's an outdoor amphitheater. And and two young men from a that we've never met before from a from a local church came up to us and he said, Can we just pray for you? And this is crazy. The exact they just started praying over us, encouraging us in the exact ways that we needed. We came to the Lord at, to this conference saying, Lord, we want to hear from you in this way. We're desperate to hear from you. And these two guys, they, they're, they were young guys, younger than me. And they're, they're just like speaking prayers and, and just truth and encouragement over our lives. And like, we're getting goosebumps. We're like, oh my gosh, with Mary and I are looking at each other like, this is crazy. That's the Holy Spirit. It's a prophetic word spoken to us. They didn't know our story. I don't even think they knew our names at that time. But yet, we still think about that day. I'm like, Lord, you met us in that real way by your Holy Spirit. All right, second, because I can't spend too much time on all, all 20. You're like, we're going to be here forever. Brian has a story for all 20. Service. 
The spiritual gift of service is about meeting practical needs. And listen, listen, we're all called to serve. You're like, ah, I don't have the spiritual gift of service. So I, I'm out. Like, no, no, no. We're all called to serve, okay? Christ has served us, therefore we serve. But to have the gift of service means that you have a heightened supernatural ability to serve others like Christ served you, again, for the building up of the body. Those with the gift of service, they're committed to spreading the gospel, but they serve in more practical ways. They serve in more practical I think of um, Acts, the book of Acts, when deacons were, you know, uh, called it Acts chapter 6. Man, they're, they're trying to minister the word, and yet, like, there was an issue going on with, with the, the food service. And, and finally, they're like, man, we need to raise up servants, deacons, really, essentially, to care for the distribution of the food so that the, the elders, the apostles, can focus on the teaching of God's word. So they're not less important, they're vital, but they allow, they serve in more practical ways to allow for the teaching of the word to go on. So that's a, an important gift. Third, you have teaching. Teaching is about explaining and applying the truth of God's word. And it's not just done here in the pulpit. Like I know we have a gift. I have a gift personally, I think, of teaching. But I'm not the only one in our church that has this gift. This is something that many people have and they need to use to build up the body of Christ throughout the week, not just on Sundays. Because without this gift of teaching, the church would quickly fall into error and sin. And teachers are gifted in a way to make sure that that doesn't happen. You know, teachers are, are, are just wired in a way that they hate when scripture is being abused. They hate when, 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 when it's being used out of context or with ill intent. And they love the truth and they speak the truth in love. That's the gift of teaching. Fourth, you have exhortation. This spiritual gift is about strengthening through encouragement. If you have this gift, you urge people, you encourage them. Sometimes you rebuke them towards faithfulness to Jesus. Like, hey, come back on the straight and narrow. And listen, if you have this gift of exhortation, we need you, okay, as a church. Like, we need this gift activated in our church because there are so many people who are discouraged in life right now. Listen, let the Holy Spirit lead you to encourage each other. Fifth, you have giving. This spiritual gift is about um, sacrificial generosity, not just with money, but in, in the Bible we see time, talent, and treasure. Now, just like it is with serving, everyone is called to give. But this is talking about giving over and beyond, above and beyond. Side, side note real quick. This is a good time to point out that as we go through this list, we kind of figure out, you know, our spiritual gifts, that this isn't a way of getting you off the hook for the other ones, okay? You're like, I don't have this. Like, no, you might be like, I don't have the spiritual gift of giving, therefore I'm not going to give. I don't have the spiritual gift of serving, so I'm not going to serve. Listen, we're all called to give. We're all called to serve. We're all called to have faith. But these are super, what we're talking about is supernatural abilities to do them in a way that's above and beyond. Those with the gift of giving love, they love to share what they have with others. Like they're just, hey, we're blessed to be a blessing, right? And they're typically very hospitable and they seek out ways and opportunities to help others. Sixth, you have leadership. 
The Greek word for the spiritual gift of leadership literally means to lead, to assist, to protect, and to care for others. You know, the Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts of leadership to some in the church to care for God's people and lead them. This is the whole point, is to lead them into a deeper relationship with Jesus and one another. And I want to be clear that when we talk about leadership, it's not just talking about leaders on the stage who are gifted in one particular way, but many lead, we have so many different leaders in our church. You think about it. We have so, like some of you, you're home group leaders. And this is your calling. You're gifted by the Holy Spirit to lead your home group, what? Towards a deeper relationship with Jesus and with one another. We have Bible study leaders. Women, some of you are Bible study leaders. Men, some of you lead Bible studies. We have Sunday school leaders, and I can just keep going on and on. We have deacons and elders. Again, everyone leading in vital ways towards a deeper relationship with Christ. Next, you have mercy. Mercy is about having compassion to the hurting. You know, someone with the gift of mercy has a lot of empathy, and they're able to come alongside someone and provide comfort to the afflicted. You know, the, the Bible tells us that God draws near. He's near to the brokenhearted, and a way that he is near to the brokenhearted is through you, is through me. Is through someone who has the gift of mercy. And so if that's you, if you have the gift of mercy, be mindful this morning. Every time you come to church, every time you join your home group, be mindful that there's, there's hurting people all around you. And we need you to use this gift to serve the body of Christ. Next, you have words of knowledge. I would define this as the acquisition of information through supernatural means. It is the knowledge of things that we could never achieve on our own ability. This happens when God pours out his spirit upon you and reveals something to you in the moment about a person or about a situation. This could be a secret sin that someone's caught in and the Lord's like, hey, they're in sin and here's the sin. I was actually reading Living Water last night and Chuck, Pastor Chuck um, shares a story in his book about his wife having this gift and she was in church one night and all of a sudden she looks at this guy, he's like, he's sleeping with his secretary. But she, she just, she moved that not to gossip, but to pray. And just, I think you said a couple weeks later, the man and his wife called Chuck on their phone and all they could get out because they were so broken, was Pastor Chuck. And you know what he says? I know why you're calling. And he says, you do? Yes, meet me in my office. We're gonna, you know, and he, he kind of confronted them. He was able to share that with them. This is a gift of knowledge. But this also happens sometimes during the teaching of God's word. The Lord will lead me or perhaps someone else who's teaching to say something that's not in my notes, not written down, but directing me to say something of the Spirit that's specific. It goes hand in hand with prophecy for someone here in this room specifically. And I'm just side note, I'm always praying. As I'm preparing, I'm always praying, Lord, I pray that there's a prophetic word not adding to scripture, but just a word from your heart that's specific. Not like general, like someone here in the, you know, tonight is, is just kind of feeling, or this morning, it's like, it has a backache, you know? It's like, all of you are like, yeah, backache, like me. Like, no, Lord, specifically, what is it? Where is someone, where is someone at? So, anyways, 
I'm always praying, Lord, give me words of knowledge or, 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 or even a prophetic word. And sometimes that happens. And then sometimes someone comes up to me in the lobby. And they're like, how did, how, were you talking to me? Like, how did you know? Did my wife call you? Like, you know, or whatever. Like, that happens. That's the Holy Spirit. Then next you have words of wisdom. This, again, goes hand in hand with knowledge. Words of wisdom is God-given insight. And it's applied to a specific situation. So wisdom is knowledge applied. It's knowing what the best thing to do in a situation where there's not a clear right or wrong. So when you talk about the, the spiritual gift of words of wisdom, it's, it's God-given insight applied to a specific situation. Next, you have faith. Faith is supernatural confidence in God. Okay, This is different from saving faith. Faith, we all have faith um, for believing. We're saved by grace through faith. That's not what this is. The, the gift of faith trusts God in supernatural ways throughout the storms of life. It's like, God, man, my whole world's falling apart, but I'm trusting you. You're like, outside looking in, you're like, oh, man, <laughs> man, I feel bad for them. You know, but they're just trusting. You know, faith, uh, this faith obeys in the midst of life's biggest trials. This faith gives you peace when the times are most difficult in your life. A supernatural confidence in who God is. Now, I've shared this story. I'm going to keep it really brief, again, because I can't share a story on every one of them. But when I was younger, my sister had a car, um, or my parents had a car. It was an older Camry, and it had a horrible, like, knocking sound. Like in the motor, I, again, I'm no mechanic, so if I say and describe things like, I think it's an engine, motor, you know, I don't know. I don't know what they're called. But anyways, there's this loud knocking sound happening. And so my dad drove it into the, 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 the garage, and he's just listening. And man, it, feel, it sounds like the car is going to fall apart at any given time. The neighbor comes over who has even more mechanical experience. He's like, oh, Al, man, this, this is going to probably cost. You might, you're looking at a new engine or motor mount, or I don't know if that's a thing. But like, you know, that... that this is not good. And my dad, you know, we're, we're pastor's family. We don't have a lot of extra money. And my dad, I, I know this about him. He has the gift of faith. You know why? Because he has a supernatural ability to trust God and see God huge. And so he's like, well, let's pray. I'm at the end of my resources, but God isn't. So literally in the garage, I'm probably 12, 13, 14 years old, Huge impact in my life. He literally lays his hand on the car and says, God, we don't have anything, but you have everything. Would you fix it? So they drive it to the mechanic just to get a diagnosis. And the mechanic the next morning calls my mom and says, hey, Mrs. Frederick. She's like, what did you say was wrong with the car? <laughs> like, did the loud knocking sound? Like, there, we couldn't find anything wrong with the car. It's in perfect condition. Like you can come pick it up. I kid you not. That car ran for like 10 more years. Like we actually sold it like to the next person. That is the gift of faith. This ability to trust in who God is. And I love that. I love that. So that's faith. Halfway done. Deep breath. <sighs> I think I bit off too much. This, I'm sorry. So I'm like, man, I probably should have taken a couple weeks and did this, but it's okay. Next, we have healing. Healing is the supernatural ability given by God to restore the health of the sick, whether it be spiritual, physical, emotional, or even mental. And the gift of healing is given, listen, it is given to glorify the healer, okay? Okay. 
This, it is not to glorify the one who has been given the gift. This gift of healing shows the power of God and that he is in complete control of every situation and in complete control of every life. Now, just because someone might have the gift of healing doesn't mean that it's automatic and guaranteed. Like every time this person prays, there's going to be healing. Okay, that doesn't happen because we, we pray in accordance to the will of God. If that did happen, these people like... I'm not going to say names. They, they would be in hospitals, right? Like healing people. But they're not because it doesn't always happen. But someone who has this gift, they do see a pattern in their lives where they see people healed as they cry out to God on the behalf of others. That's the gift of healing. Then you have miracles. Miracles could be defined as a heightened sensitivity to the power of God. Now, the, again, a lot of these overlap. You have faith, you have, you have healing, you have miracles. But this Greek word used is literally powers. It's the gift of powers. And we see this throughout the New Testament that Jesus showed great power and miracles. The apostles showed great power and miracles. The early church in the book of Acts, they showed great power through miracles of healing the sick and casting out demons. And so I think this is a heightened sense of the power of God. And I think that could be true whether it's in healing or a lot of other, again, spiritual um, gifts overlap in different ways. Next, you have tongues. Tongues is the speaking of a previously unknown language or a spiritual language. And like I said about prophecy, we'll spend a longer time talking about tongues when we get to chapter 14. But speaking in tongues is the utterance of prayer or of a message that is glorifying to God, typically spoken uh, to God in a language that is unknown to the one speaking. That's the gift of tongues. And then you have interpretation of tongues, which is just as important because this gift is given by the Holy Spirit to certain individuals to reveal the message that was spoken by the person speaking in tongues. Why? For the building up, for the edification of the church. And so when a person speaks in tongues, the Lord will give someone to interpret what was shared, again, for the edification of the body. We're going to find out when there's no interpretation, the person shouldn't share in their tongues. And 1 Corinthians 14, again, we'll get there, but it talks about how there's an order to all of this. And we shouldn't just speak out in tongues if you don't have someone there to interpret. Next, you have distinguishing between spirits, discerning. Gift about discerning about the spiritual realm. We live, I don't know if you know this, you probably do, but we live in a spiritual war. And oftentimes, many of us, we're blind to that. Now, all Christians, we all need to be aware that, uh, of the fact that there is a spiritual reality all around us. But those with this, the gift of distinguishing between spirits have the ability to do this, to recognize when something is demonic. They can recognize the spiritual realm and have a sensitivity towards that. And listen, we need this within our church. You, you, you see this in Acts chapter 5. I'm just going to read it. This is the story of Ananias and Sapphira, right? Everyone's kind of selling everything that they have, and they're bringing it, you know, before the apostles. And, and yet Peter says in Acts chapter 5, Ananias, why has Satan filled your hearts to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the, the price of the land? Again, Ananias, they were selling everything. They're like, yep, this is everything. This is 100% of the proceeds of our house. They weren't required to give that, but he just lied about it, maybe to make himself feel better. I don't know. But how did, how did Peter know? How did Peter know that, that uh, they were holding back and they were lying? This was dis the discernment of the Spirit. 
the gift of discernment. Next, you have apostleship. Now, I want to make a distinction here because the spiritual gift of apostleship is sometimes confused with the office of an apostle. The office of an apostle was a limited number of men that were chosen by Jesus including the 12 disciples, Paul would be included in that list, but there are no more that hold this office today, okay? The, clo- the, 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 the ministry uh, of the apostle, the office of an apostle is closed today, but the gift of apostleship continues in different ways. I would say this, the gift, this gift is about missional boldness. The Greek word for apostle simply means sent out. And it often refers in the New Testament to a disciple who is commissioned by Jesus for a mission. And believers who have this gift, often they're starting new ministries. Maybe they're missionaries. They're called to plant churches, go reach the unreached people groups of the, of the world. And so one way that I would consider or, or, or speak about someone who has the gift of apostleship is like a missionary or a church planter. So that's the gift of apostleship. Next, you have shepherding or pastoring, one translation says. And that Greek word for pastor is poimen, and it simply means overseer or shepherd. This is all about the care of souls. You know, what, is a, what does a shepherd do with the flock? Yeah, the, the shepherd feeds the sheep, right? They, they lead the sheep. They protect the sheep. They care for the sheep. And, and just as shepherds do that, so too pastors. They're called and they're gifted to care for the spiritual well-being of a local body of God's people. Pastors are first and foremost servants. They are servants of God and they're servants of the church. We're not called to be served, but we're we're called to follow in the ways of Jesus to serve and to lay our lives down for the health of the body. Next, you have helps. The spiritual gift of helps. This is offering aid and assistance where needed. It may be the most underrated and super miraculous gift of God, okay? Helping other people. These are the people who show up early for church events or functions, and they're just like, let me lend a hand. Let me help stack chairs. Let me help put out tables. How can I help? They're the last ones to leave. They're like, how can I clean up? How can I vacuum? Can I just, let me just insert myself. Listen, if you have the spiritual gift of helps, we need you. We love you. We need you, okay? We do. Next, you have administration. I love this gift, okay? I, I appreciate those who, again, here I am. I'm acting like the Corinthians. I'm elevating one gift over another. What, what am I doing? Here we go. Administration. <laughs> the gift of administration is, I would say, organizing for the sake of ministry. The Greek word for administration actually refers to a captain of a ship. And through the gift of administration, the Spirit empowers people to direct and organize and implement plans for ministry. And this gift is related to leadership, but it's more probably more detailed-oriented. They're, they're more task-oriented. They know what the details are and how to accomplish them. And then last, you have evangelism. Evangelism simply means introducing people to Jesus. Now, 
Again, all believers were all called to proclaim the gospel and introduce people to Jesus. But those with the gift of evangelism are extraordinarily empowered by the Spirit to be a witness for Jesus. And these are people who have just this deep burden for the lost, a deep burden to shine the light of the gospel in like the darkest areas of Portland. Okay, these also have, these people have the gift and the unique ability to clearly and effectively communicate the gospel. And some just are. And the Lord uses them in powerful and profound ways. That's the gift of evangelism. Now, we did it. (laughs) 30,000 foot view, but we did it, okay? 20 spiritual gifts. We've been given these amazing, wonderful gifts. And if you just were to look around in the room, that this room represents so many of them. And there's maybe that we have a ton of administrators here, or a ton of people that love to help and are gifted in helping or evangelism. That's amazing. God has bestowed these upon you on purpose for the edification of the church and the glory of God. So that answers the question, you know, what are the spiritual gifts that we find in Scripture? The second question is, where do we exercise our spiritual gifts? We're almost done. What's the context? You can have a gift, right? We all have one at least. But how does it play out? Here's the short answer for you. Spiritual gifts should be exercised in the church. (laughs) But that does not mean that the only or even the primary place is the Sunday morning gathering. Okay, Now here's the problem, because some people assume that everything has to happen during the Sunday gathering, and if it doesn't happen, that means, oh, those gifts aren't just, they're not important to the church. No, no, that, that's, that, that's not the case. The Sunday morning gathering where we're at currently right now is very important to the church, but it's not everything to the church. And we have to distinguish between the essence of a gift and the expression of a gift. So let me give you an example of this. We believe as a church in the gift of tongues. It's in the Bible. We're going to talk about it in a couple weeks. We believe in the gift of tongues, but the gift of tongues can be exercised in different ways and in different contexts. 1 Corinthians 14 talks about a lot about this, the various contexts. But what I mean is this. We believe, again, in the gift of tongues, and just because I don't come up here on Sunday morning and say, okay, everyone, just start, you know, shouting out or praying out in tongues doesn't mean we don't believe in them. We believe, though, from Scripture that the Sunday gathering isn't the primary place where this plays out. And that can also apply to other gifts. And I would say that the primary space for spiritual gifts to really operate fully and in in, in their appropriate function would be, like in our context, in home groups. And I hear stories after stories about how the gifts of the Spirit are just being manifested and operated in a lot of these home groups. And I love that. Because when you're eating a meal together, and our home group, we eat meals together and every week, and we're, or we're sitting in a living room, right? And someone says, hey, I, I know you've been going through something. Like, I know you've been, you know, you've got something physically going on. Why can we just gather and just pray for healing? That's the gift of the Holy Spirit moving in your midst. You you might have a heightened sense of, hey, you're struggling right now. Like, does anyone have a word of encouragement that can be spoken over their situation? Like, let's, let's just wait on the Holy Spirit and just see if the Lord leads us to a word of encouragement for this person. 
That is the, the appropriate place. But it plays out, the spiritual gifts plays out when we know each other. I'll say it this way. You might want to take a picture of this on, this, of this on the screen. The primary context for spiritual gifts is relationships, not events. And again, we're going to apply a lot of this when it comes to prophecy in tongues more thoroughly in chapter 14. But it, the primary context for spiritual gifts is relationships, not events. It does not mean, though, that the gifts of the Spirit aren't happening in events, right? They don't happen on a Sunday morning. The gifts of the Spirit are constantly happening on Sunday mornings, in the lobby, in the sanctuary, in the Sunday school rooms. Like it's constantly happening. But the primary and appropriate way would be in relationships, in small groups. Now, as we close this chapter, I want you to notice verse 31 again. He said, Paul says, but earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I show you and I show you a still more excellent way. Desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Paul's saying, seek to utilize them for the glory of God. Now, I believe when he's talking about the greater gifts, he's like, I thought we weren't honoring some and you know, de-honoring others. No, no. I believe that the greater gifts are simply those gifts that build up the church the most. And Paul's going to share in, 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 in chapter 14 that prophecy is actually a key one that he wants every single person to aspire to. But the greater gifts are the ones that fit the need at the moment. Okay, when mercy and compassion is needed, probably not the time for the gift of exhortation, right? Or a prophetic word, okay? You need someone to come alongside and weep with those who are weeping in that moment. And it's, so it's coming, it's, each of us, it's coming before the Lord at these times saying, Lord, fill me and use me. Give me, Lord, a sensitivity to your spirit to be used by you in any given moment. Now, let me ask you this morning as we close, what is your place in the body? What's your place? It's been said that 10% of the church work and ministry, or 10% or of the church, I should say, does 90% of the work. And I just again ask, what is your place in the body? Can you imagine what our church would be like if our whole church was serving at 100%? Could you imagine if our whole church was giving at 100%? Could you imagine if our whole church was operating in the gifts and the functions of the Holy Spirit at 100%? Like what, could, could, what would this be like if we were in spirit-empowered, in spirit-just-sensitive church using the gifts of the Spirit to bless and to build up one another. I mean, I pray that you would find your place in the body and yet you would know that it's super valuable, super important for the edification of the church. And we need you because your gift matters. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to this week's study in the book of 1 Corinthians. If you're ever in the Portland area, we would love to have you visit for one of our services. For more information about our church, you can visit our website at ccseportland.com. We hope you've been blessed by this study. Stay tuned for our next series coming soon.